In this weekend episode, two segments from this week's C-SPAN's Washington Journal program, examining House Republicans' legislative focus in their first week in the majority. First, Americans for Tax Reform President Grover Norquist and Frank Clementi, Executive Director of Americans for Tax Fairness, discussed the House vote this week to rescind funding for the IRS and the future of tax policy under the Republican-led House. Then, Mercatus Center senior researcher Wei Fang Zong discusses the establishment of a new select committee to investigate the impact and influence of the Chinese Communist Party. First, the House Republicans' tax agenda and the future of the IRS. Joining us this morning is Frank Clementi. He's with the executive director for the Americans for Tax Fairness. And we also have Grover Norquist, who's the president for Americans for Tax Reform. Thank you both for being here. Uh, Frank Clementi, let, let me begin with you. Actually, how both of you answer this question and first show our viewers what the House passed this week. The bill on IRS funding. And it would rescind $45.6 billion for tax enforcement. It also rescinds $25.3 billion for operations support and leaves in place... $3.2 billion for taxpayer services, $4.7 billion for modern, modernizing the IRS dated systems uh, and technology. Frank Clementi, your response to this bill? Well, I think, uh, first of all, it repeals $9 out of every $10 that was appropriate or that was uh, uh, passed last year. Last year, Congress passed an $80 billion 10 year package for the IRS to bring it into the modern age. Uh, most importantly, to give it the staff it needs to go after wealthy and corporate tax cheats. Uh, we lose $600 billion a year in taxes that are legally owed, uh, much of it because uh, we don't have agents at the, and auditors at the IRS to enforce the law, to make sure people are complying with the law. And so uh, this House bill, the GOP, the first bill they voted on is to repeal most of that new funding to go after tax cheats. And we think that that's just really wrong. Grover Norquist, your thoughts on the bill? Well, some people have claimed, a lot of Democrats say, oh, this is to help you get answered because only 20% of the time when people call into the IRS, are they even likely to get them to pick up the phone? Uh, 53% of IRS folks don't work in the office. They're at home. This is COVID's over, but they put into their labor contracts. They don't want to come into the office. Uh, and the other 50%, when we ask the IRS, <clears throat> how often do they come into the office? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the answer is uh, sometimes, and they won't tell you how many people come in, how often. So the challenge they have on not answering people's questions, not answering the phones, or not knowing what to do, their own investigators found that in Ogden, Utah alone, in one place, they destroyed 30 million documents, 1099s and so on. That's a stack two miles high if you just put them one on top of the other. When asked by Congress, why did you do it and how did you destroy them? They said, we won't tell you. And when asked why you won't tell us, they said, well, it would reflect poorly on us. So in one office in Ogden, if somebody's here from Utah, it'd be very helpful if you know what happened to 30 million documents that the IRS admits because I got caught that they destroyed, and now they're calling people on the phone and saying, you jerk, you didn't send your stuff in. 30 million documents destroyed. They don't know what that is. They can't tell you what it is. They can't even tell you how they destroyed it. They're now turning around and saying, we should have more documents. They want the 1099Ks, which would be tens of millions 
more paper documents flying around, not being reported, being destroyed by IRS agents, maybe. And that's only Ogden, and it got caught because internal investigators happened to get leaked to. Uh, that's why we know about that. We don't know about the other places. So we have a very problematically run agency, and uh, Obama's appointed head, uh, Koskinen, when asked ahead of time, when asked about this, he said $80 billion. Um, he said, I'm not sure you'll be able to efficiently use that much money, he said in 21 when this first came up. That's a lot of money. So here you have Obama's guy who ran the agency say, there's no way to intelligently spend this much money. What the Republicans are saying is, this is an agency that needs to be reformed, not thrown money at. I want to have uh, Frank Clementi, I want to have you respond to Gorovar Norquist, but I want to add to it from the debate, Republican Representative Adrian Smith of Nebraska, who spearheaded the legislation. Here's his argument on the floor. The primary purpose of that funding is hiring more auditors and support staff to vastly expand IRS's audit capacity. And not just audits on wealthy Americans. With that expanded capacity, IRS can bring in more revenue by auditing more middle and lower income families and more small businesses. Families and small businesses are struggling under the weight of record inflation and supply chain shortages. Small businesses are struggling to find workers at any wage. The overwhelming majority of Americans, about 85%, follow the law and, and pay their taxes. The last thing they need is more IRS agents knocking on doors to conduct audits. Yet this IRS funding is part of the broad Biden administration strategy to tax and audit exponentially more Americans by looking into their bank accounts, requiring online payment services to report them when they split a dinner check with friends or pay their babysitter after a night out, and then target them using 87,000 new IRS employees. Americans deserve to know their government is working for them, not against them. Frank Clementi. Oh, the 87,000 IRS agents, uh, that has been debunked by every fact-checking, independent fact-checking organization in the country. Uh, the Republicans used that uh, in the last election campaign to run tens of millions of dollars in ads to try and defeat Democrats, claiming that they were putting 87,000 IRS auditors on the street to go after the middle class and low-income folks. It is just not true. Every, as I say, every independent uh, fact-checking agency said it's a three Pinocchio pants on fire kind of claim. And I just, you know, I, I just, yeah, uh, somebody on the floor can make that speech, but it's just not true. And no matter how much often they make that speech, it's just not true. Look, the fact is, uh, since 1991, 30 years ago, the IRS has its staffing level is down uh, by 40,000 people, 40,000 people at a time when the uh, we put a lot more a burden on the agency. And there's a lot more taxpayers than there were back then. And you just can't exist in the modern age. John Koskinen, who uh, Grover was just talking about, former IRS commissioner from a Democrat. We have former IRS commissioners who are Republicans. They've all signed letters saying to Congress, pass this legislation that passed last year. You, the agency needs this kind of money to get into the modern age, to get modern computer systems, to be able to uh, do a great job of helping taxpayers get their refunds on time and answer the phones. One out of 10 phone calls gets answered now. One out of 10. I spent an hour on the phone trying to find out whatever happened in terms of the letter I sent a year ago, and I just gave up. You just We can't run an agency like that. And then most importantly, it's the auditing. We are losing $600 billion a year because 
rich because most of it because wealthy people are avoiding taxes. Two thirds of the taxes that are being avoided, and we're not legally being avoided. I mean, there's the law; it says you ought to pay it, and they're not paying it. Two thirds of those taxes are owed by people to top ten percent of the income. We have a problem right now, which is that the IRS goes audits too many people who are low income. Why do they audit too many people who are low income? Because they don't ha- have the tax accounts. They don't have the lawyers to protect them. And so the, the, the IRS is going after the low hanging fruit. The only way they can go after the big fat cats like President Trump, and we can talk about his tax return problems. The only way they, they're going to be able to do that is to hire a lot more people. It takes four to five years to train an auditor to be able to go after a wealthy person. And, and uh, you know, you need people, you need bodies to throw at that. Grover, I'll have you respond, but I also want you to respond to the president yesterday because he was asked, and here he is at the news conference, talking about Republicans' IRS and tax policies. Like many Americans, I was disappointed that the very first bill the Republicans in the House of Representatives passed would help wealthy people and big corporations cheat on their taxes at the expense of ordinary middle-class taxpayers. And it would add $114 billion to the deficit. Their very first bill... House Republicans campaigned on inflation. They didn't say if elected, their plan was to make inflation worse. Plus, House Republicans have introduced another bill, blocking action that would help lower gas prices and help consumers. And on top of that, House Republicans are preparing to vote on a national sales tax bill. National sales tax. That's a great idea. It would raise taxes on the middle class by taxing thousands of everyday items from groceries to gas while cutting taxes for the wealthiest Americans. And if I'm not mistaken, what they've introduced, it also would totally eliminate the IRS. Feels good, except all going to be sales tax. Go home and tell your moms. They're going to be really excited about that. Come on. Is this how House Republicans are starting a new term? Cutting taxes for billionaires? Raising taxes for working families? Making inflation worse? Well, let me be very clear. If any of these bills make it to my desk, I will veto them. I will flat veto them. I'm ready to work with Republicans, not this kind of stuff. Grover Norquist. Well, <clears throat> that is the president's and the modern Democratic Party's position on class warfare and saying that they're going to tax rich people. The challenge is that Bloom- Bloomberg was actually in one of these discussions where the IRS was talking about what they were going to do. Uh, and reported in 2020 that they said, we're going to increase audits on small businesses. That's where we're going to get the money. So they say one thing, and Biden wants to say, oh, it's going to be rich people. Uh, And when they say, where are you actually going to get the money? It's small businesses, and they're going to ramp up audits of that, mom-and-pop stores and things like that. And they, they say that in private, but it gets reported by Bloomberg, which causes them problems. You also have the problem with the IRS, with their lack of privacy. You had people in the IRS give... uh, audited data to a left-wing group, ProPublica, and they had thousands of people. These were all rich people. These were all their audits and so on. And they were supposed to find, as the left always says, oh, they're billionaires not paying any taxes. They didn't find any of that. They dropped it the same day the Democrats wanted a tax increase bill. They were so stolen data from the IRS, people's personal data, illegally, five years in jail, to even look at this stuff and and share it to somebody because they were supposed to have privacy at the IRS. Thousands of documents that only if you had access to all of the IRS information, because it wasn't, they didn't break into one uh, auditor's, one, one lawyer's uh, list and steal their 
data for somebody who does taxes for five people. They had access to everyone. They had the thousands thousands of people. They pulled that out illegally. No one at the IRS has been punished for this. They've made no effort to do it. They keep telling Congress, oh, we're investigating it. That was a year and a half ago. But it's a secret, and they won't tell Congress what's going on. What Biden is really afraid of is that they're going to be going after the IRS and saying, no, no, you could tell the Democrats, we're going we're to look for it and not find anything for a year and a half. But when the Republicans control the House, we're going to insist on getting this information. So you have an illegal stealing of people's data and information, privacy. And if they can do it to Bloomberg, Mr. Bloomberg himself, okay, they can do it to you. He's got a lot more lawyers than you do. They can spit at him. They can spit at you. They can steal his data and hand it out to left-wing groups to use it to, uh, to go after him and attack him. They didn't find all of this jillions of dollars that's supposed to be free. They found the opposite. Even Trump's tax, cut, tax things, he paid all the taxes he owed. Um, so this myth that there's some free money out there if we just mugged uh, some high-income people is, one, not true. And we know that because the stolen data from the IRS that ProPublica has makes that case. Why do you have Democratic senators and people who steal data from the IRS working together to do press conferences on the same day? This attack, this going after people's privacy, and it's, it's not just high-income people. They do it to individuals who make campaign contributions that somebody doesn't like, and then they get attacked. That was Americans for Tax Reform President Grover Norquist and Frank Clementi, Executive Director of Americans for Tax Fairness. Next, Mercatus Center senior researcher Wei Fang Zhang discusses House Republicans' focus on competition with China. A focus now on a new House Select Committee aimed at assessing a variety of threats from the Chinese Communist Party. Wei Fang Zhang joins us for that discussion. He's a senior fellow at George Mason University's Mercatus Center. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. Thanks for having me. I want to start with a, a clip from the, the chairman of that new select committee, Mike Gallagher. He was talking about the need for this committee on the floor yesterday and the threats posed by China. This is a little bit of what he had to say. We see this aggression here at home, where the party has stolen American intellectual property, technology, and industrial capacity undermining our economy and good-paying American jobs. It is here at home where the party's extraterritorial totalitarianism terrorizes Chinese students studying at our universities and targets Americans of Chinese descent. And it is here at home where thousands of Americans are poisoned each year by fentanyl precursors manufactured in China and distributed thanks to a complex Chinese money laundering network. It is time to understand the urgency of the threat It is time to reclaim our economic independence in key areas. The Select Committee will expose the CCP's coordinated whole-of-society strategy to undermine American leadership and American sovereignty while working on a bipartisan basis and with the committees of jurisdiction to identify long-overdue, common-sense approaches to counter CCP aggression. Wei Feng Zhang, the urgency of the threat he talks about there. Uh, how urgent do you think is the, the economic and the technical threat from the Chinese Communist Party right now? I think the representative pointed out a set of very valid concerns uh, coming from China because of uh, how China turned out to be, uh, what China turned out to be after 20 years in the uh, World Trade Organization, that uh, policymakers in Washington and allied democracies had hoped that China would become a more open society by joining the WTO. But it didn't turn out that way. In fact, it turned out to be more authoritarian uh, over, over the times. Uh, 
particularly under President Xi Jinping's uh, administration in the last 10 years. So I think he pointed out a lot of valid concerns uh, in terms of how urgent it is. It has been there for many years, I think. So it's, it's a welcome move, I think, to see Congress uh, putting together something specifically for China to tackle the challenges. And framing it as a, uh, a select committee that will focus on threats from the Chinese Communist Party, uh, not China writ large. Why that framing for this new committee? I think it's important. Uh, a lot of threats or uh, uh, concerning Chinese behavior was because of what uh, the Communist Party in China was driving it. So if you uh, look at uh, corporate behavior, for example, it doesn't really matter whether a company is owned by uh, the state, but it, it, when it comes to uh, you know, influence overseas, even privately owned companies, they sometimes had to follow what the Communist Party wants. So I think it's hitting the right target in terms of uh, Chinese behavior. It's not because of the ordinary Chinese people. Um, on, on China's behavior, mm-hmm. when it comes to, to the economic threats and the techni- technological threats, what have been their, their biggest victories against the United States, if you could call them that? What has been the biggest cost to the United States on that front from some of these efforts by the Chinese Communist Party? I, so the economic engagement between the United States and China uh, have increased by a lot uh, since, uh, say, 20 years ago. And I think some of the engagement had been taken advantage by Beijing for leverage to impose uh, influence overseas. So uh, they are ha- having deals with the Chinese uh, you know, economy. And so if you want to keep those deals, you want to be nicer to, <laughs> to, the, uh, Chinese, uh, to the Chinese government. So I think that's what uh, not being calculated on, in the West. So uh, uh, policymakers did not anticipate that Beijing would uh, behave that way. But now we are too, uh, in too deep in terms of the economic engagement. So how do we tackle that without hurting ourselves too much? That's a, the biggest challenge, I think, facing policymakers. What is the trade balance right now between the United States and China? Well, the United States has been having a huge amount of uh, trade deficit against uh, China. And that, I have to say, did not change even during the Trump administration. And so uh, when the, uh, even, even if the, uh, the United States imposed uh, tariffs on Chinese goods, uh, it did not really deter that, uh, the, the trade deficit that much. So, and that speaks to the fact that we are already engaging with the Chinese economy so much. We are buying a lot of cheap goods from China, and that's not going to change a lot, even though you're on the margin, you have to impose, uh, you, uh, we impose some tariffs on it. So if tariffs didn't work, what would work? Is the idea here a, a pullback, uh, a larger pullback from that economic engagement? The uh, calculation about the tariffs was that by imposing tariffs, we would be able to force China to abandon their un- unfair trade practices. There are a lot of them, including uh, state, uh, state subsidies on domestic firms in China uh, when it comes to their uh, competition with foreign firms, for example. But, so Beijing did not change this kind of behavior, even with the tariffs, which means that um, influencing foreign corporations is more valuable than just paying for the ta- uh, tariffs uh, themselves. So, so the trade war did not work, even though we wanted it to, uh, to, to work on China. So I think now it's time to turn our attention to technologies and uh, other Chinese uh, types of behavior, uh, other Chinese influence. China has been trying to influence the media space in the United States and the higher education system as well, and which uh, the representative rightly pointed out. Those uh, areas, I think it's also hard because we want to say, we want to become tougher on China to defend our freedom but we, we don't want to do it while uh, compromising our own freedom at home. So if you uh, look at academic exchanges, for example, that's, uh, that's the freedom the U.S. Uh, 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 universities have enjoyed for the years, right? 
So when you want to counter Chinese influence, you don't want to compromise the academic freedom institutions have, have been having uh, domestically. That's the hard trade-offs to, to strike. That was Wei Fang Zhang, senior researcher at the Mercatus Center. Hear more interviews from C-SPAN's Washington Journal program on our website, cspan.org, on the C-SPAN Now app, or on C-SPAN television, live every morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern.